0: Grab your Batleth, and let's go to Stovacor. It's Vija please. Hate for Voyage of the Delta Quadrant.
1: My name is Joseph. And I am the Klingon version of Neo from the Matrix, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. Peter. <laughs> how apt, considering a recent trailer.
0: A dope-ass how... recent trailer. And listen, th- this is going to be on the internet forever. Don't be saying things about movies that aren't out yet. We ate our words so hard when it came hey. to
1: Picard. I it, didn't say it's going to be a ate great our movie. whole
0: dick when it came
1: to Picard. I'm not saying it's going to be a great movie, but I'm telling you that what fucking trailer was tight before we get into the episode this week, I would like
0: to provide special attention to our Voyager, please loyal listeners who joined us in discord to do our very first, uh, Voyager or very first star Trek movie night, uh, myself uh eastern european meme lord darius australia mike and what and an
1: international you, crowd yeah, you're keeping.
0: bro like we set that time to be perfect for u.s participants and it wound up just being a cavalcade of foreigners <laughs> that like woke <laughs> up at 2 30 in the morning or whatever to like do this like that's god bless spark emotion man wow yeah man. if wow. i could per- if i could give darius a raise i would but i'm not his <laughs> boss <laughs> so i can't Maybe I should call him. Maybe I should be like, I'll call your boss. Be like, this is Joe <laughs> from America. This, I is don't Joe. Think
1: you... this is Joe from podcast.
0: <laughs> I am very important. I assure you. We had a good turnout. It was a half dozen of us. And uh, we watched Star Trek Generations. Darius did his best you impression. Uh, and we were able to, uh, to give the live experience. I think as we, we uh, watched the movie, I still, stand that movie my my opinions is is unchanged after a recent rewatch i think it's i
1: left that movie so fucking stank and pissed off like the the personal offense i felt at rick berman destroying the d Mm. it there are low points and the destruction
0: of the d while i totally understand from a production standpoint why they felt the need to do that also painful yeah, uh, I it was I think the best tr- like Star Trek sh- you know next generation style story in a movie like it's, it feels it feels most like an episode out of all of the movies and there are some things that are really great like Malcolm McDowell good villain uh, I oh, I you know I'm definitely always going to be on the side of the Duras sisters you know, the fact that they used a C tier villain like that (laughs) so effectively. I believe those are double D tier villains. It's true. Susie Plankston and her double D's were definitely on full display for everyone. Uh, I liked the way that they dropped the, dropped the lighting way down low and like filled out all of the sets with four extras as a workaround for the fact that all of the TV sets looked like ass on film.
1: (laughs) It actually (laughs) works
0: out. Like it looks better. And, with, and it has that crisp cinematic sound to it. I think there's a lot to love about Generations.
1: Yeah. And again, I mean, once I saw what the E looked like, I was a lot more forgiving for what they did to the D. And, you know, sure. It's not like Picard could just take the fucking D back to uh, Utopia Planitia and, like, use it as trade and credit towards a sovereign class. <laughs> you had it's to up, it but like It's got some <laughs> tense on it. Have the board, the, that one stray torpedo. And it's funny, we're talking about that part of generations where you've got some buster ass ghetto sled Klingon yesteryear warbird taking on the Federation's best. Uh, and, and that's what you're going to get here at the beginning of season seven, episode 14, prophecy.
0: I, uh, I love this episode. And rewatching it, my opinion remains firm. I think it is excellent. Uh, It it provides an opportunity to do things in Voyager you would not otherwise have the opportunity to do. It has the best B-plot of all time. I laughed out loud watching this thing.
1: Yes. However, here's a problem, Joe. What is that? Uh, I am racist. Okay. I understand. Against Klingons. And okay. I found that I'm even more racist against religious Klingons. OK, I see. I see where you're going here. So this episode has a lot going against it. But despite those two prejudices that I carry by the end, I, I didn't I came out pretty happy with it. Like a good story here uh, happens here, despite Klingons.
0: And I am, I am glad the story could overcome your racism. Yours, your, Peter, who is a racist. Admitted mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah, um, yet somehow they reached you. It's a heartwarming tale.
1: Yeah. Um you want to start off with some space math? <laughs> okay. All <laughs> this right. Isn't, this isn't gonna be, you know, uh Federation penal code uh Klingon statistics for, you know, Klingons um unfairly detained. No, uh so episode starts right off the jump, Voyager tooting along and starts getting hammered. I I went back. I rewatched a scene several times. There will be a total of six shots fired at Voyager. Okay. Correct. Six uh, from disruptor
0: an, bolts specifically
1: from an initially unknown foe. And shields are up on Voyager from the beginning. Two of these shots are taken Uh, We only see like the the bridge shake, so we don't know where those land. But I would say of the six shots, we can say with certainty that four of them hits the the port end of Voyager. Correct. Okay. now this is the same U.S. Voyager that just hammered the shit out of like half the Hirogen fleet. Correct. Uh, No fucks given. Mm hmm. And and we have been led to believe as a badass. You will also correct. recall this is the same USS Voyager that got shot by uh, Species 8472, and it did nothing? Correct. We will find out, again, here's our, our generation's tie-in, that the attacker here is a D7 Klingon cruiser. Yes. This is an antiquated 80-plus-year-old vessel. Looking at the memory alpha, it looks like this thing went into service. Oh... 2257. Yeah. And at the time of this, we are in the, uh, star date year 2377. So four shots landed on Voyager from this. Antique. And it brings it down to fucking 50% shields. Okay. Allow me to defend this. How many times has Voyager been able to upgrade its technology while traveling through the Delta Quadrant? Don't even, give me, don't even give me the answer. Fucking shit, a million times, right? Listen, at the best they've gotten a couple uh, photon torpedo restocks. Beyond that, the amount of technology they've picked up has been very negligible.
0: They have an entire astrometrics lab built. That's with not a Borg weapon? Tech. That's a fucking library. <laughs> they have, they right. have. talked about shield and phaser enhancements using board tech.
1: If you told me that this Klingon D seven cruiser has upgrades similar to like bicycle repair stations around the exercise track where the Klingons ride their bikes or like uh, they've replaced the water and the drinking fountains with Mountain Dew. I'll buy that as like legitimate Delta Quadrant upgrades that these guys have gotten. I'd even be go so far as to say if they had some sort of like omega threat level psionic vietnam holodeck torture device
0: (laughs) like holodeck but for real hardcore motherfuckers
1: no the fucking immemorandum or whatever that was oh uh, yeah yeah the the vietnam atrocity forced mind rape machine i'll buy that but better phasers that's off the table that's not happening so yeah, they kind of run into the Hirogen, did a little hunting together. I actually I like... thought that the idea of like some OG Klingons versus Hirogen would be pretty sexy. So yeah, maybe that's the, your head cannon. Like this D7 is souped up with Hirogen weapons. Bullshit. Here, here's the truth: the writers suck. And there's <laughs> all right again. I I, I listened to uh, our BSG recap and like how on it. Um... The, the production staff, Ron Moore, was on, you know, just tracking every excruciating detail. Th- this is a unpleasant reminder that these dudes do not care and Voyager is as strong or as weak as any situation required. But anyways, you got this old crusty ass D7 cruiser that's still alive and kicking out in the Delta Quadrant. If that is not right there, the proof in the pudding you need that a cloaking device is a must have for any alpha. <laughs> quadrant ship in the delta quadrant there it is prophecy
0: so they get into this run and gun and tuvok immediately brings up as you would expect in this circumstance uh we're getting shot at by klingons we are very far from the nearest klingon this is weird oh come here
1: hi Oh, ho. Oh, hey. You want to say hi? Hi. Hi.
0: Right.
1: Say bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. So,
0: so precious. This is staying in.
1: I would have kept her around a little longer, but uh, her knowledge of the Klingon uh, armada is a little weak and we don't need nubs in here right now. You know, this we got, got a good flow it's...
0: between the two of us. You know, we don't need a third. <laughs> we don't need a third chair on this show. But she is adorable.
1: Oh, thank you. I uh, made her with myself. Um, so, uh, yeah. So as you said, uh, Tuvok's point out like, hey, this looks familiar. Eventually, they piece together. Oh, it's an old D7. We have technology to just spot it through its cloak now. Fuck this thing. Delicious. The, the, the <laughs> metagaming that goes on here. They're just like, yeah, put in the Konami code real quick. Uh, there you are. Boop. <laughs> And knock it right out of
0: its cloak, and they're like, uh, uh, okay, I guess now we have to talk to you. And they're like, D-. they're all straight up, like, die Federation scum. Like, you are enemies of the Klingons. And they're like, uh, this and is what- just awkward, man. Like, what are you do? First of all, what are you doing here? Second of all, why are you shooting at us?
1: We're supposed to be boys. What is this? <laughs> Lots going on to unpack here, starting with the fact these Klingons, these are some TNG Klingons. Oh, right? yeah.
0: Well, I mean, technically, they're TOS Klingons. They're just made up like T- uh, TNG Klingons. They're from the well, TOS that, era.
1: That's what I'm saying, though. Like, the, the conundrum of what's a Klingon is, is really going wild here, because you're not getting... This is before the- they
0: fixed the Puerto Ricans and Goldblumet thing in Enterprise. Like, they actually canonized this question... And solved it in Enterprise in a way that was actually very cool, uh, but yeah. So these are these are lobster on their head Klingons and their and their heavy metal samurai outfits. I like that. That's a that's
1: a very appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got
0: that Eastern look, yet also looks like they shred. You know,
1: mm-hmm. they do sweet riffs. You got the TNG Klingons. You've got the old D Seven. Um, some quick background on these guys we will find out is that they are essentially pilgrims who decided that the Klingon empire had become flimsy and they weren't down with that shit anymore. And they were going to go off on a religious journey. So this is a generational ship, which is super sweet. Uh, but the, the, the beef these guys have with the federation is not up close and personal. This is, um, Speaking of prejudice, this is uh this is learned, right? This is this yeah, is we hand hate, we downs. Yeah, we hate the Federation because Federation's the enemy. We've always no, been told to hate them and and, and we'll get into it. We've always been at
0: war with East Asia.
1: And But the up close and personal hate uh and they don't touch on it at all, and I think it would have been a really cool C plot, Tuvok, right? Tuvok grew up with this shit. Tuvok served on the enterprise I'm sorry on the Excelsior correct and I don't think it's it was he a lieutenant on the Excelsior it was an ensign it was his first assignment oh that was his first assignment so they were yeah. right on top the end of the aggression there but like Tuvok growing up going through the academy that other stuff like I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that he saw some real shit and might have some legit beef with old school Klingons. so a blast from the past like this uh I, I feel, and again they don't they don't go into it, but I think Tim Russ does a good job in this episode showing a real lack of patience with these fools.
0: The one thing I wanted to bring up that of a larger Trek question is: while Star Trek Six is my favorite Trek, ep, you know, entry as far as like the movies go, and really for most of Trek, and the concept that the Federation makes peace with the Klingons is a powerful one. I do find it strange that that turned into the Klingons and the Federation were best buds and military allies rather than simply two powers at peace. But the fact that it's turned into, it turned it over time as to like a very close relationship never made any sense. They're so different. The Klingons and the Federation have almost nothing in common. And frankly, most of fe- the klingon culture and way of life which is an anathema to federation ideals
1: yeah I, it's never a makes a point fuck the romulans
0: <laughs> i mean yeah i get where they make peace because they have every reason to right like they're not the federation is not interested in wiping the klingons out the klingons can't wipe the federation out the federation is willing to to show their ideals by helping the Klingons and the Klingons in return say, okay, we'll take one step in your direction and we will, we will institute an era of peace between our people. Right. And that completely makes sense. And when you have got the Romulans nearby and you're like, well, we're better off keeping an eye on these guys anyway. And like trading some information between us as necessary on that. That also makes sense. But like, it becomes this bosom buddies routine of like uh, me and I Klingon on homies. We're going to, we're, we're going to fight together. Like, no, you would, you should find that detestable.
1: I will agree to you that it's it feels like sloppy ram rotting to, to create this close camaraderie. Uh, I think TNG maybe would have been the right place to tell a couple stories about how did this, gap get closed and i think the way to do it would just be the klingons hating everyone else so much more but still seeking that outside context i can't see the klingons rolling with fucking cardassians right
0: yeah no like i did get the idea of them being at peace with the, with the federation because they're the one power that they feel like they can actually deal with you know like we can we can we yeah, can talk but at mean, least i i also
1: think you can look at the 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 Federation's history is very bloody and, you know, not going into discovery or whatever, but even again, through the Cardassian wars, as we see with, uh, what the hell is his name? Captain Maxwell. Correct. Uh, and, and what little I saw through, uh, miles O'Brien. And I'm sure they go into a lot harder in deep space nine, but like for all the Federation's ideals and stuff, they still get in some very ugly wars and they still come out. Well, So I think if the Klingons were to say, like, listen, you guys can say you're all peace loving hippies or whatever. Uh, you still throw down hard and we're more alike than you think. And like, just kind of. I, I, I see you for what you are and you can say you you whatever you want to be. But like at the end of the day, we're not so different. You and I and and bridge the gap that way. Yeah, leave them a little uncomfortable with how correct they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like. We do throw down a lot. <laughs> like, we also know that you like to put your penises in lots of things, and we like to do this as well, as as we will see here with oh, uh, Commander Kachar, whatever her name is. We, we are the best. We are people. two species. We are two empires, uh, often at war, but at the end of the day, uh, we both do like the fuck, so we will build an alliance, a bosom buddy alliance on... I'm a hole is a hole. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cardassians do not like the sex, nor do the Romulans. So yeah, we got these TNG Klingons. Hey, knock it off. Cool. Hey, uh, we're at peace. Kidamer records. It could be a trap, whatever. Hey, listen, if it makes you feel any better, we actually have a Klingon on board. You know, if you wanna come see it, yes, we'll see this Klingon. Sure, come on our ship. Reasonable captain uh also we don't trust you so we're gonna put our best man on the job none other than smoldering catcher lieutenant ayala who does not seem to have any time in his day for any bullshit (laughs) (laughs) his smoldering is set to 12 i'm guessing that uh prior to joining the maquis he also ran afoul of some klingons and much like tuvok he's giving uh, him the death stare man like mm he is
0: he is not happy to have this assignment Mm -hmm. also once again perfect record
1: when security gets jabronied in this episode, he is nowhere to be seen. Maybe Ayala's dirty. Maybe he's a corrupt cop. Maybe he's selling <laughs> info to the bad guys, and he knows when, like, the violence is going to go down, and he just ducks his shifts because he doesn't ever want to be there when the shooting actually starts. So the, the captain here, the Klingon captain here is Kolar, and Kolar comes into the briefing room, and
0: he says, This is Bolano." And sees Belana is now pregnant. They've got Roxanne Dawson in the uh, fake pregnancy belly for the rest of the season, Ironic. starting now.
1: Wow, that sucks. She had to go through two seasons pregnant.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, like in the first time around, they wouldn't even give her the the courtesy of writing it in, right? Mm-hmm. Like they didn't. They made her have to hide it by wearing the coat and like, shooting her from the from, the, from, the, from the boobs down.
1: You know, you're gonna be full of baby and uncomfortable legitimately and then for your last season on the show we're gonna make you wear the fat suit and be uncomfortable who'd she piss off he comes in and is like hey did you fuck in this
0: month is there for his first question and she's like uh yes not i don't know why i just told you that because it's none of your business but yes that is when we fuck and he's like, I have to go back to my ship now. Yes, of course, we're at peace. I won't shoot you. Everything is fine. This is in no way suspicious. <laughs> I just asked a random strange Klingon I've never met if she fucked on a specific month. She said yes, and now I must go. Do not ask me any further questions. And Jane was like, mm, seems good. Get out of here. I was like, yeah, scram. So, uh, Kolar goes back to the ship, and that's when you start to get a, the religious dialogue that these guys are on, like, some kind of holy quest. And Kolar is convinced that they have arrived at a thing that he calls the the time of separation oh yeah <laughs> and that means blowing up their own fucking ship like his name is catherine janeway
1: wow so here's here's a weak point for this episode and it's again the, the writer is not giving a fuck about what precedent says uh oh captain i must congratulate you you've done far more damage than we had realized Our warp core is going to go critical. We're fucked. We've got like five seconds before our ship blows up. And Janeway goes, all right, fine. Transport everybody on this ship to Voyager now. 200 people. They successfully transport 200 people off the beat up blowing up D7 into their cargo bay. This is impossible in Star Trek. This actually gets called out, I think, in uh, lower decks when they pull some. And lower decks is like in the future from now. Right. And they're like, wow, you just transported everybody off the ship at once? Yeah, you can't do that in real life. But hey, this is just a holodeck program. And I thought it'd be cool. So, so there. Well, apparently you can. And uh, this is quite the gamble for this Klingon and their antiquated technology uh, and understanding of Federation tech. Because later in the episode, when. uh kim's getting played when kim's getting conned before he gets thrown into the wall like a bitch (laughs) the the klingon's like wow man this is how your transporter works he's like yeah and he's like that's really cool i never would have thought you could transport 200 people at once and it's like what what well i mean at at least they call out like
0: well it is a little risky we don't like to do that for safety reasons yeah, because, but like
1: the Klingon guys like I would have never in a million years thought that you could transport 200 people in under 5 seconds. Like when the captain gave us this uh this plan, we figured only like 6 of us were going to survive.
0: Let's be clear by the way. This is an episode where Harry Kim is everyone's bitch. <laughs> he yeah. has a bad week with these fucking Klingons on board. By his own design.
1: Harry Kim has a bad week with these Klingons board because he is a punk bitch and does not know a good thing when he sees it, unlike a certain space rat who is very D2F. So,
0: let's get to the B-plot, because now all these Klingons are on board. Tuvok is like, there's 250 of these motherfuckers. (laughs) The fuck are we gonna do? And uh, they have a quick meeting to say, well, nothing we can do except Put them in quarters, everyone's on security duty, keep them out of sensitive areas and we'll figure something out, right? Like it is what it is. Uh, you know, start having people double bunk and all this other stuff.
1: Would we say the current crew complement of Voyager was it? Like one hundred forty.
0: So like these Klingons more almost double them. There's like That's more
1: crazy. And and these yeah. aren't just, you know, Klingon warriors. Like again, generational ship kids so and, kids got... and women, yeah. Kids and women uh, and everybody serves, right? I think we did the math back in the 87s, like what it would take to keep a community moving without like massive inbreeding and, and real problems. And wasn't it like a much higher number than even the 37s had?
0: Yeah, you'd have to be deep in the five figures, I think, to avoid the kind of genetic recombinations.
1: Okay, so switching over to the A-plot for a second, we're going to find out that these dudes are sick with, what, the n- the nagah Yeah, basically inbreeding disease. <laughs> yeah, it's got to <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah. And not only is it like, hey, you got to fuck your sister to to make the the nagah present, like, you could just, the Naret. You can just breathe. <laughs> In Klingon physiology, you can breathe on people and give them the inbred trait. That's that's what B'Elanna Torres is going to find out. She gets inbred just by being looked at by other Klingon hillbillies. I
0: mean, it really is like you know. Spoiler: the way this episode gets sorted out is they insert new genes into their gene pool. <laughs> like, here's some human DNA to spread thin this all out a little bit, guys. Jesus, these are Klingon Amish. Like, eh, maybe more like Klingon, Klingon West Virginia. Take me home, <laughs> take me home, country
1: roads mm. to the to the Chronos I belong. So this is crazy, man. You got Voyager right rocking 150 people. You just brought 200 people in Uh, going back to the early seasons of Voyager, which I know we don't like to do. But like once upon a time, food used to be an issue. And Neelix says in in one shift, he served more than 300 dishes out. So I don't know uh, if there's any. Any any pretending that Voyager is not rolling in dough and living the high life.
0: Yeah, we're, but, uh, we're, we're, we've we left
1: replicator BSG. rations behind. Yeah, if this was BSG, this would be a big
0: problem. And so we, we get our first taste of the world's best B-plot in the mess hall, when Neelix, who is very enthusiastic about Klingon culture, the Klingons are Neelix's people. They are. They are slovenly. They enjoy weird food. And they are very gregarious, right? That's that is lines up very nicely with where Neelix lives. They're violent, which Neelix is typically not. But everything else, like he's they they're his people. They're very ugly, you know.
1: <laughs> Got a lot is of ugly already... shit on their heads. Neelix is already well read on Klingon heritage because he's tried to rope Belana into it several times and she just wasn't having it yeah so I see this as like a fun day for me he's like I actually like this stuff and like now there's people who love this stuff I'm excited about it but was it was it worst world where he gets lumped in with the Klingon programs versus the Hirogen yes did yes he, did he flourish in those I can't remember
0: maybe he goes to the Klingons and recruits them yeah because that's okay I remember because he's like the he's the baker in the French village. Yes. And he gets he gets laid out along with seven and they decide to put him in the Klingon thing, and so he's like a Klingon warrior in that. And then he gets like zapped, so he's now back to being Neelix, and yeah, he has to inspire the Klingon warriors to go fight the, the Nazis
1: or whatever. <laughs> and he succeeds. He actually pulls it yeah. off. Yeah, that was a cool scene yeah. because like they got the holodex all throughout the ship and And the Nazis are winning a little bit and then a bunch of fucking Klingons show up with batlets and and get wild. So this is this is really on brand for Neelix to be as pro. Unlike myself, Uh, there there isn't a racist bone in his body towards the Klingons. Not a one. There's there's another bone in his body that's very kind towards the Klingons. Oh, very. (laughs) I mean, it's his dick. Okay, so let's
0: let's address the elephant in the room. The Talaxian in the room, if you will. The Talaxian erection in the room. Neelix fucks. Right? Not one like, year olds. Like, Neelix absolutely fucks. And when we say that Neelix fucks, there is an entire. The entire coda of this episode is awash in the post fuck stank of Neelix just couldn't contain myself as these scenes played out god bless the writers for deciding to just go that hard in the paint on this right like you know what we haven't used neelix is basically a guest star we're going to put him in this episode he's feeling it he loves he loves the clay stuff it's time it's time for the people to know that neelix fucks
1: bold they- choice they uh they get an argument over food. Harry Kim jumps in. Hey, guys, knock it out. And, you know, or no, first Neelix tries to get in there and use like reasoning and, and Klingon logic. And they swat him to the floor. And then Harry grows a pair for like point five seconds and tries to leadership in there and break up the fight. And one of the arguing parties is a pretty hot Klingon chick. And she's like, ooh, I like yeah. you. You're you're alpha.
0: So- We're going to do it standard issue uh in platform boots towering over adult male klingon woman with a boob window mm-hmm. and the, the teeth of like this is a woman that is some is 80s going, mall hair yeah this is this is a klingon woman that is uh going to
1: break you mm-hmm. but you will she, you will enjoy it <laughs> like, she wants that new genetic material she's tired of swimming in the shallow end of the gene pool yeah but uh turns out this round Harry's a bitch. Harry's afraid of the girls. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh, He's trying to run away. She bites him, and instead of you know putting it in, he runs off to the EMH. He's like, "Oh, she bit me." And the doctor's like, "Yeah, well, uh, buck up. Uh, You're either gonna have to kill her or put it in. So you better put it in." By the way, here's a flashback to that time you got an STD from a '90s hottie. Here's your permission slip to engage in sexual relations. (laughs) you know this rule this rule exists because of you <laughs> yeah this <laughs> ridiculous fucking concept that flies in the face of Riker william t will Riker fucked an alien
0: before first contact he put his genetic material in
1: into that into that species before they even knew they were space people listen it's that flagship privilege we've talked about it before and the ends justified the means and and that was that but he's like hey here's your permission slip for me go get janeway to sign off on it get out of the sick bay uh following the b plot to the end because like you said it's the best uh you know later on he's hiding in a fucking jeffrey's tube and neelix comes by and is like oh oh yeah
0: i've seen that woman you're so lucky you're gonna get to fuck her like he's like reinforcing of like, yeah, you're gonna have to fuck her, but it's gonna be awesome. Have you seen her? What a specimen she he is absolutely just like horny for the same lady, but he's like, no, yeah, you're the one that's gonna fuck her and she he doesn't want to do it and here she is walking down right she's got like the the fucking that you the matrix coat style Klingon outfit going, you know mm-hmm. and and with the big boots and all that and Neelix like sees his opportunity to fuck he's like wait a second i know exactly what to do this is where all of my reading of all of this klingon stuff is finally going to pay off massively and like pins harry up against the wall and starts admonishing him and dominating him about how he took too much food and then makes him run away <laughs> and immediately you know the the klingon woman sees this and is pleased that the space rat has you know asserted his dominance and in in possibly the best comedic beat this show has managed in seven years. They zoom in on Ethan Phillips, right? They give him the whole screen. And he's like, he's doing like a fucking Austin powers thing. He's like, yeah, I'm going to give you all the signals that it's fuck time. Like a hundred percent. Just
1: perfect. Perfect. Jump over to the a plot. You've got 200 Klingons on this ship. That was before just 150 Federation. We're going to put all these people. Oh, we're going to volunteer for people to double bunk and give up their quarters and this and that. And somehow the Federation and all the Maquis space terrorists find it within their heart to get these. uh, These dirty ass Klingons, their beds. And we get a great comedy scene where Neelix shows up on Tuvok's door, walks through, walks in. There's no again. This is the security chief. Right. Right. With 200 plus strangers on the ship, door unlocked. Neelix cruises in there, throws his duffel bag on the table, sits on the couch, and goes, We're roommates now. We're going to have a great time. So much fun. You know the scene I wanted here, right? Like, hey, this isn't the first time we've been living together, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) They chill the fuck out. He comes in to Club
0: Tuvok and. You know, Tuvok's not in a full shangshun. He actually has like a,
1: just a, like a very comfortable looking like night outfit on, very tidy. You know, looking at a report. If you like your night outfits with two boxes of starch, yes, very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in and invites himself
0: in, sits down. He has a duffel bag, and Tim Russ does a great job in this scene too, right? Because he's Tuvok, so he can't do too much, but everything he can do, he does, because he is this. Like, bewilderment of, like, why are you, why did you just do this? And then he explains, so I had to give my quarters up to a Klingon family, and you're the last one without a roommate. So we're roommates now. You and, did this yourself, Tuvok, you little stingy ass bitch. And Tuvok's like, well, I prefer to, you know, be alone. I need my solitude. And then Neelix turns the new jack up just a touch and goes, oh, you don't want me to go back to my quarters and kick out that Klingon family, do you? And just waits the beat you know, of Tuvok just, like, starting to look very exasperated of, like, I just got conned. <laughs> I just got I just got got and I know I got got and this sucks. <laughs> and he goes, oh, good, you don't want me to do that. I'll start teaching you Klingon shrinking songs. And he's, like, ruffling through his bag and he's throwing shit around while singing in Klingon and then they just push the camera back up into to Tim Russ's face and his eyes just get wide and you can see in his head, like, do I have time to turn on the Choke Daddy Helix mm. simulation before bed so that I, I could get this murderous rage out of my back of my brain before it's too late? Like, I, if I'm the security chief, if I beam you into space, will anyone know? <laughs> like You see it, you see it in the back of his eyes. And you're like,
1: I need the fan base oh. super cut of the scene where it's the camera focusing on tuvok and the little twitch in his eye and then they start splicing and alternating scenes of the event horizon stock footage that we already know is there right right where people it's it's hell right and then the scenes of him on the holodeck strangling neelix and just that would be the best Um, so if anybody out there has like six hours on their hands and is good with, uh, (laughs) Adobe products, I would, I would love, I would love to see that. This is also where two, uh, Neelix drops the line. Um, Hey, I serve 300 dishes. These dudes are super hungry. They just like ate all the food. There's a side scene about this time where, um, Torres, who has preemptively been assigned a personal security detail, which, Talk about the least confidence-inspiring thing possible on the Starship Voyage. (laughs) Oh, we kind of glossed this over,
0: but the plot is these Klingons think that B'Elanna's baby is their
1: messiah. We we really didn't actually minor detail, right? Like the whole plot, anywhere near as important as Neelix is about to fuck a Klingon. Oh yeah, like
0: definitely not the most important thing that happens in this episode granted but the actual plot is they think that her baby is the messiah they have these scrolls that kind of have these vague suggestions that they were gonna meet uh Klingon under these circumstances and it's that that sort of standard uh you can interpret this stuff the way that you want kind of thing about religion
1: and that's and. what I really liked about this episode. You know, jumping to the end is unlike the actual Ronald Moore Stovacore episode where he tells you that for sure, Stovacore is a real thing. And Belana Torres has definitely been to it uh, or, you know, and whatever the anti-Stovacore is. Uh, yeah, the 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 entire premise of uh, belief that her child is Klingon Jesus or whatever uh it's close enough that it kind of fits but it's also loose enough that the doubt that gets cast on it feels very legit and it's iffy and i like that
0: it's definitely left a little unsettled i i am on the side of tom where he says listen the galactic coincidence that we met these fucking klingons in the middle of the delta quadrant to begin with seems sus uh in terms of it not being part of some larger plan I am on the side of that baby bomb B'lana. B'Elanna's baby is their messiah, but it wasn't the messiah they necessarily interpreted it as. It was the cure for their inbredness.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we'll get to that. But Messiah you deserve, not the one you wanted. Um, uh, captain Kolar, though, and I think this is the important part of this plot, is he c- c- goes right to the captain and to B'Elanna and is like, yeah, I don't know if Belana's baby is our, our messiah, but I do know... That, uh, my, yeah, this ship has been wandering the fucking Delta Quadrant for a century, and it's time for that to be over.
1: By this ship, I mean the one I fucking blew up.
0: Yeah, I need to do something to get us to stop fucking meandering around the galaxy and to settle down somewhere and create a colony, and, uh, you're close enough, so we're doing this, and I really need you to help me do this, because that's how we get out of your ship, which I know you really want. So the captain is very reasonable and very much on team. I am not trying to be the bad guy, right? Like I get this is fucked up and uh, it's very weird for all of us, but I want what you want, which is we get on a planet and leave you alone.
1: Yep. Um, But she becomes something of a celebrity and there's a neat scene in there where she's going to leave engineering at the end of her shift, goes out in the hallway and gets swarmed. And then she's supposed to be meeting Tom for dinner and she site-to-site transports into her own quarters. There's hey, some officer
0: privilege for you.
1: Which I'm like, oh, nice! Because that's why I was like, man, if she's trapped there, why isn't she just, oh, cool, she is transporting. And then I'm like, man, she's pregnant. Like, that baby's soul is gone now.
0: Oh, wop wop. is gonna happen eventually, right? I mean,
1: we've already kind of established... Well, <laughs> not that you guys were there to hear it, but... <laughs> joe and i establish that you know she's already kind of a bitch what with trying to genetic resequence the Klingon out of her baby and all uh but uh this yeah, kid's
0: had a rough run and he's and she's not even born yet you yeah, know well, like, she
1: doesn't she's her soul is gone now as well um sorry baby That's that's how that's how the transporters work they kill you you're a clone you're a clone baby jesus Deal cool. with it. Kolar eventually convinces
0: Bolana to help him sell the rest of the Klingons on what's going on. And they, they have a bad initial meeting where they're like, you're barely Klingon. It's, you know, going to be like a one quarter Klingon baby. How could this possibly be the case? So Bolana's got to basically sell that her kid matches all of the Messiah things. And it starts with a scene between the two of them in Bolana and Tom's quarters actually where they're talking through like how they're going to structure this and very re- you know kolar again being the most reasonable klingon that i think we've ever seen on star trek period yes starts to go like you don't really honor your heritage
1: at all but he's not super like interface about it he's like well let's great so- line there where he's like y- you don't have any pictures of Kalas. where's your uh family crest and she's like yeah clash with the carpet like the fucking look on his face but he lets it go yeah And 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 it's a great like
0: instead he he does a little thing right that she knows of like praying for your ancestors and asks just to you know her like is there an ancestor i can pray for on your behalf a little prayer rug out does the thing and it and it it connects with her you know like it Gives her that chance to be like, open herself up to this because we've had a lot of episodes about her difficulties with Klingon culture. Like you mentioned in regards to the stuff with Elix, like
1: we've established that in her background. This is yes, not some shit she enjoys. Credit where credit is due. We have had five, if not six episodes of Balana Hates Her Culture, and it's always the same story beginning with her really hating it and by the end kind of making peace or whatever. This is the first time we've actually seen the needle moved forward where she doesn't want anything to do with this. And this guy, again, what you're saying here is this non-pushy method. He goes about persuading her and the fact it clicks. He doesn't have a gun to her head. He just starts throwing some stuff out there and the way he's able to hook her in through her grandmother. Right the, 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 the yeah, matron yeah. line there and it wakes up these parts of her where she's like wait a minute I I care about grandma I did used to pray for grandma's soul there's a familiarity to this that I don't hate and that's how he gets the buy in her I thought worked so well and was such a deserved next chapter of her Klingon story that it's taken us six fucking episodes to finally get to uh was beautiful.
0: They transition that into a big kind of like dining hall scene where they've like got it all done up like it's a Klingon dining hall. and she's Not on the holodeck
1: where they could have just had a Klingon dining hall, by the way. Nope, it's the mess hall. Listen, don't deny
0: Neelix his opportunities to do a little bit of LARPing and a little bit of... Hey,
1: could have been the Polynesian colony. Could have flashed his feet. And Balana is
0: going through telling stories of her honorable exploits as they... Uh, recount past battles, which in the prior scene, Kolar pointed out, like, you actually do match some of the stuff. Like, you have had victories against armies of 10,000. Like, what do you call beating a Borg cube, right? Like, that's what that is.
1: And, Alana, the, the, great, the great hero who has felled thousands of Borg drones, yet fell victim to one Tuvok Pim Slap.
0: One expertly <laughs> positioned Tuvok Pim Slap. Mm -hmm. knocked her clean out of the fucking episode
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. she probably didn't tell him about that part
0: but uh she is telling a story if they're uh, fighting the hyrogen on the delta flyer it's obviously exaggerated to which tom like mentions to neelix like uh don't remember it happening that way and then neelix like no no this is this is part of it telling telling tall tales is the whole klingon thing like it's the whole saga and epics thing don't worry she's doing fine and she's she's rolling through it but there's a, there is a doubting thomas right in in the group uh of, Beyond of tom paris yeah and it's Tigreth is this guy's name he's been the doubting thomas the entire time and in this scene he starts to pull you know ratchet it up to 11 and um he starts doing the thing that I completely understand now as a married man, which is when someone talks shit about your wife in front of you, it's like zero to fight you, right? Like that is the impulse. I get it. So he knows that's going to be the impulse. So he starts talking shit and making comments that are inevitably going to get any man to fight you and throws down a challenge of a fight to the death against Tom Paris because hey, he's supposed to be a warrior. Are you a warrior, bitch? And he pull he just he, like Bolana was to intercede and in the most like assertive I think he's ever been, he just says, "Stay out of this."
1: <laughs> like, listen, Bolana, okay. No. <laughs> I don't know if you remember or not, but uh I am a convict. I've been to the fucking shoot. I saved the ship from the Kazon. Uh and uh spoiler alert. I like to kill people. OK, I might bring fads like yo-yos and, and ragtime music to the ship and, and Captain Proton. I also like to stab people. OK, that, that this is who you married. Sit down. I have an old Klingon man to kill.
0: So he pulls the knife out and is like, yep, let's do this. We fightin." And then they cut to the they cut to the boss's office. And <laughs> Janeway's just, like, sitting there, like, very disappointed. And he's like, what was I supposed to do? Not fight him to the death?
1: Come on! Come on! Like, he was- I'm sorry, Cassie. He was talking shit! What did you think was gonna happen when you pulled a space terrorist out of the space pokey to fly your spaceship to hunt down human prey? This- this is what you signed up for.
0: Call my wife a whore? Yeah, I'm gonna fucking stab you. Like- Mm -hmm. that's what's up and uh janeway's like yeah no you don't get to fight to the death the fuck is wrong with you and uh uh the the captain and the doubting thomas show up and kathy's like yeah there's gonna be no death matches on my starship fuck all that and uh this is this is where you get your you know, Tigreth is like, oh, see, you're just hiding behind regulations. And Janeway actually defends Tom's honor, where he's like, no, he'll fight you. <laughs> he's he's ready to do this. I'm the one that's saying that no one's allowed to do this. This is my call. I am the captain. And that is when Kolar uh, intercedes and is like, well, you know, there is a like provision of you don't have to fight to the death.
1: You can fight to the get your shit kicked out of you so All we could do teeth that knocked out with blunted uh, bat lefts and then T'Grest's like no that's bullshit and he's like you calling Emperor so and so because this is legit and the guy's like eh, fine well I'm still gonna fuck you up and they're like oh Tom you got a hologram program for this and T'Grest's or Collar's uh, like I'll teach him how to fight uh, and off we go to our special guest star for this episode the caves absolutely the
0: classic caves of hell And, of course, the least practical weapon of all time, the Batleth. We get a Batleth duel, which are always entertaining because they're so stupid. Like, (laughs) would you like to casually swing this very impractical implement at each other (laughs) over and over and over
1: again? This whack-ass fight scene we have to sit through here. It has been quite a while since we have had a low-energy physical altercation on this level, but... Uh, All this is really missing, I think, was someone roughly grabbing Tom by the arm like he was a woman and subduing him.
0: Ah, my only weakness.
1: I like they got Tom in the Klingon garb like they don't even let him wear some Mad Max shit. He he has to dress like a Klingon to do the fight, but they get into uh, aforementioned low energy sword fight. And then Tigreth uh, has like a heart attack and falls over. And Tom wins. This initiates the
0: final stage of the A-plot, which is they all have the inbred disease, as we mentioned, and eventually just kills you. Uh, Tigreth wants to, you know, take over the ship because the initial suggestion is that both Bolana and her child now have inbred disease, uh, and therefore clearly not the messiah if they're just going to dive in bread disease like everyone else. And Blood is real pissed of like, yeah, things are coming on the ship and giving me your terrible disease, you motherfuckers. Like, Which, to be fair, great. is a real
1: fucking dick move. Like, Kolar no, Kolar is, is self-acknowledging his own doubt that like, man, maybe she isn't the messiah. Him coming over and like breathing his mouth fades all over her. Real uncool. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, not even a warning, huh? Really? And no. he's like,
0: guys, we never thought of it, I guess. Yeah. Oops, I am inbred. I mean, like,
1: <laughs> I'm i going to make some mistakes. You know? So- sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so she's like, oh, great. So me and my baby are now sick with this and we're going to die. Please leave us the fuck alone. But uh, Tigreth goes back to the circle of uh, elders, little religious council they have there and say, this is all bullshit, my doubts are well-founded, uh, and we can finally dispel the myth that she is the, the chosen one because they have space in breeding. So here's what we need to do. We need to take over Voyager and continue our quest. And I'm already a dead man, so, you know, hey, this sounds like a real honorable way to, to ratchet thing up the, the last couple days that I'm going to be alive. This is when you get a pretty clever takeover attempt, in my
0: opinion, because they try to use the internals. They show you the Klingons figuring out the internal system they're going to use, which is they they find a planet suitable for colonization. They're all going to like start doing away teams, checking the thing out. And this mixed away team of Chikote, who's barely in the episode, like literally in this scene to get you know, fucked up. 709's um, not in this at all. Talk about someone who could have you know, intimidated some Klingon warriors and made them have lustful desires. Decided not to have her her in this episode at
1: all, basically. You're gonna make Seven of Nine a lesbian with curly-haired women instead of it being fucking Raffi and god-awful Picard. She, she should have been the one shacking up with Sherega. I completely agree. That'd have been rad. Or she's, like, very uncomfortable with how aggressive she is. <laughs> like, and they're just like, like... Hey, you wanna bite? I'll bite. I might not look like it, but I got some fucking Klingon warrior sex urges in my mind too. I, I bit Bolan. I'll bite you too. Fuck it, bite party. Yeah. I, I, it definitely would have been a
0: better way to introduce her having a romantic relationship than what they chose to do later. We have that to look forward to. Okay. I know you've been spoiled. It's not good. Um, so, uh, they. You you have like the Klingon underling who gets Harry to tell him how the transporter works, <laughs> and then they like roll in and then just shove
1: Harry into the wall and gun the rest of them down. This is the hardest that Harry's been slammed into the wall since Seven of Nine slammed him into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and, Seven and, might and, not have been in this uh, episode in person, but she was certainly there in spirit. And their plan is to
0: transport all of the Voyager crew off the ship, which I thought was actually very clever,
1: right? Yeah, like good enough for the Klingon. I'm sorry, the Kmart Klingons, the Kazon good enough for like real Klingons, right? Yeah, they they learned from the fact
0: they got emergency transported. Oh, we can just take everyone off this ship, put them on the planet, and then we have the ship, right? Like, perfect. Doesn't work. Force fields go up. Not yeah, And eventually they decide they got to roll the hard six and transport
1: themselves onto the bridge to try and take How's it this over. Work? How's this work? Hey, they put up shields around the bridge. We can't beam them off the bridge. Okay. Beam us through the shields onto the bridge. What?
0: Whatever. It leads to an actually good phaser fight. You know, like it is pretty kinetic. There's a lot of dodging and taking cover. There's impact. I liked it. Uh, Kathy lays a couple of them out. Tom grabs his like service. nine. you see where it's hidden. It's like in a
1: holster on the, on the console. Can you blame them? I mean, how many to to turn and shoot? How many gunfights have we had on the Voyager bridge? No, makes sense though. Like the service
0: nine for each position is like, there's like Velcro to it. And you just pull it off when you inevitably have to shoot a board drone or something. At
1: this point, the fact there aren't, pop-down Gatling guns <laughs> is absurd and unforgivable. Like, th- this is well-worn territory for uh, Voyager. And I jumping back to Living Witness, I love that they had the Kazon security officers just permanently stationed on the bridge with phaser rifles. Like, that, that might have looked fastest, but that was just common sense.
0: <laughs> they subdue the the attempt and you know that they're they're looking for their honorable deaths they don't get them they wake up in sick bay and they're cured of inbred disease and we find out that the doctor was on to something when he detected the disease in in Balana and her child but it's that it was being crushed by the stem cells within the klingon human hybrid that balana is presently gestating and that provided a cure for the disease and thus here we are it turns out that unborn child is in fact
1: all of these people's savior because it's going to eliminate the disease they're all suffering from i love it and it's uh the doubting thomas tenegra or whatever who was looking for an honorable death and Janeway's like yeah no mercy killing on my ship you're going to sick bay he wakes up on the table. He is the one to be uh, confronted with the fact that the hybrid child is in fact space Jesus and has, in its own way, saved the people. And he now becomes a champion of the party. Uh, you know the, the 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 pro. Hey, this is legit party. Uh, I love it. It's beautiful. It's very '90s. Like oh, the the baby genes save it. There's a very funny part to that scene where the guy goes the child's genes have uh, the child has cured us. And the doctor's like, well, it was actually me. And then like Janeway shoots him that look. And he's like, ah, yes, of course it was the child. <laughs> yeah, like he's trying to take some credit. And he's like, oh
0: no, didn't read the room. My bad. Yes. the baby Jesus did it. Good. Thank you, baby Jesus.
1: I think this would have also been a nice nod for. Uh Uh Balana to be like, Ooh, good thing. I didn't zap all those Klingon genes out of the baby after <laughs> like, all. Dodge just a bullet. (laughs) Man, this baby just also saved my life. Like, what a mess that would have been in an alternate timeline where I did do those things. Yeesh. Woof.
0: Speaking of yeesh.
1: Speaking of woof. The next scene. Speaking of doggy style.
0: Is the greatest scene. This is the best Voyager scene. Tuvok rolls up to his quarters. Door's locked. He's like, Computer, unlock this door. And says, no. And he's like, okay. Who told you not to keep this? Who told you to lock this door? Who computer? told you not
1: to keep my door open? I love having my doors open. I'm the security chief. The computer just says, Neelix. Very accusing, too. Majel yes. Barrett's like, Neelix. Neelix did this. And you again, you
0: see it in the back of his eyes. Like, I'm going to fucking kill this. I'm going to strangle this cat. I'm going to drown him in a gallon of water. This is. It's not okay. And he's like, uh, Neelix, open the fucking door. <laughs> and you you hear, like, uh, one second. And then you hear, like, noises and a female noise and in the background. Here comes
1: the title for this episode, which is, uh, getting lucky in Club Tuvok. Everybody getting busy in Club Tuvok. Those doors open, and you've got Chegra or whatever two some, scoops
0: you know, of Klingon lady right there, right in front with some JBF hair
1: for an oh, international yeah. crowd that's just been fucked hair <laughs> Absolute, absolutely
0: freshly fucked
1: hundred percent. she walks out of the way and then you see Neelix just disheveled, wounded <laughs> sweaty yes. stinky you can smell Talaxian balls
0: <laughs> he's he's very hurt and very happy
1: heavy scent of ammonia <laughs>
0: and they they're 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 arm in arm they're they're arm in arm with each other and uh they're, they're they've got pet names like i'm going to i'm going to miss you my little warrior <laughs> like oh they were so they were they were into each other and she leaves saunters down her not walk of shame and and Neelix is like, oh, I'm, I'm, go- I'm really gonna miss her. <laughs> like, he's like,
1: I had an experience and I liked it. And then sex then- is pretty great when you're not banging year old uh, space elves. Not only were they into each other, they were into all of the furniture. As Neil as Uh Tuvok walks in, he sees uh, his glass table predictably broken, chairs broken, end table broken, couch broken. Uh, there is Telaxian nut on everything, absolutely everywhere. And, and and Neelix does that thing that anyone does
0: when after they realize they've had an absolutely torrid sex fest and the place is a mess, but you're still like just like post-coital and you feel like you've gotta like you've gotta like fix things somehow and you just feel useless in this regard. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this chair up and I'm gonna give you this cactus back and and then Tuvok just just says, Neelix, get out. Just get, just get out, <laughs> leave, leave me in the wreckage of my
1: life. You've ruined club Tuvok. I can no longer have black lights on in here. I'm going to see <laughs> all the body fluids you've sprayed on the it's walls. Never coming out of the carpet.
0: Are you kidding me?
1: I'm going to have to transfer quarters. This is going to be uh Maquis Chell's quarters now. <laughs>
0: tell we have great news you can upgrade you get your own suite and everything mm-hmm. it's got a cool computer and it's like what's the downside you'll you'll smell it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't worry pick the crew member with the worst smell hey put Doby in here the next scene i thought well what i thought was going to be the ending scene, it wasn't it was a second to last you get a pretty good uh connection between colar captain colar and uh Bawana. And again, for as many times as B'Elanna has been at odds with her own heritage and specifically like Klingon protocol, warrior mandate, honor, all that stuff for her to really have this genuine connection with Kolar, who had at first kind of not con, but like negotiated her compliance with like, you need to help me sell this religious thing to get us out of here to by the end, like. Uh, I think there was genuine buy-in and acknowledgement of uh, tradition's place in in her life that it was a good separation between the two of them and I think it congealed the Klingon premise of this episode together well and it gets expounded on even further when you've got the actual ending which is between Tom and Bilana. you already m- mentioned like Tom does not disbelieve that this child is not of prophecy at this point. Yeah. I mean, he sees
0: what happened. He's like, yeah, our kid's special. She's Klingon. Jesus. This is awesome. He's a proud Papa man. Like before you're even born, this is great. You're off to the races. I I liked, I liked the ending of. Balana also accepting that, right? Like he's
1: like, let's uh, maybe, maybe we should name her. What? Kuvak mocked Klingon. Jesus. Yeah. And she's like, uh, you know what? We'll add it to the list. Like you, you still have this lingering acknowledgement from her that like, I'm not going to outright reject my Klingon heritage in this moment. And I thought it was good. Now, I'm going to give you a follow-up, very humorous thing to consider, Joe, that you did not see because you are just a Star Trek fan and not a parent who is a Star Trek fan. Okay. Because Kolar gives a parting gift to Belana, and it is his grandfather's very pointy extra sharp black rusty batleth. yeah so he says seems in mileage Mm -hmm. and he says uh this is my grandfather's and i'm give it to your daughter when she grows up and she takes it and she's she's proud and she says yes and that that's that's really the her taking possession of this klingon thing i thought was was the cool part and then uh you know, that's when we cut over to their quarters where they're prepped in the crib and she's hanging up the bat left on the wall. And Tom's like, well, we can't just leave it there. It'd be a shame not to use it. Let me get it on the holodeck. And she's like, no. And they're like, ha ha ha. And I'm just looking at it. And there's this fucking like D12. Uh, vicious, perhaps even vorporal bat left that they've just hung Loose on a hook on the wall. This is a starship that gets shot at a lot. That's right. Okay. This bitch gets rocked left and right and on top. When you're building out a nursery, like the amount of fucking (laughs) absurd, say we bought a dresser. Okay. I don't know if you've been to Ikea lately, right? Have you? Oh yeah, definitely. Have you seen like the 500, videos they have playing through ikea about the importance of anchoring dressers to walls like they redid their whole line where there is a safety bolt that you attach a bracket to and then you pull out shelves and there's a like a hidey hole in the back you can shove a drill through to bolt the fucking dresser to the wall because ikea had like a dozen instances of kids climbing up dressers and the dressers toppling over and killing children. And they got sued to bejesus and back, right? This is right. a real threat. So when you're building out a nursery, it's like everything needs to be bolted down. Everything needs to be like nuclear hellstorm storm um, proof. So her hanging this fucking sword above the baby's bed when the inertial dampeners go off and like shit just gets thrown. Everywhere. Like You're just asking for this baby to get cut in half, right? These are bad parents. <laughs> Whatever else we can say about Tom and Belana, the worst fucking parents since maybe, uh, the Magus and was there fucking Annika? Han- the Hansons. Yeah, Move the Hans- over Hansons. The Hansons did get their child assimilated, so it's probably still worse. What's worse? Assimilated or cut in half by a fucking 80 year old batless?
0: <laughs> Let's leave that one uh, to our fans to discuss between themselves and for our fans. We should tease them with what we are reviewing next
1: week. We're moving into season seven, episode 15, the void. What the hell are these things? I don't know, man. There's ugly little fucking Walnut aliens. Voyager slips into a pocket of subspace where many other ships are trapped. And must steal from each other to survive. Isn't that just called the Delta Quadrant? <laughs> <laughs> also, this is the first episode of Voyager. You and I will have to watch somewhere other than fucking Netflix. Man, fuck. Talk about unforeseen consequences. Goddamn Paramount Plus and and Netflix. Like I know this shit's on. Uh, I think Amazon, maybe. Yeah, it's still on Amazon. So that's that's what i'm
0: gonna end up doing but quick note here at the end i guess but i i don't think folks necessarily understand how amazing and influential it was that star trek was available as long as it was on netflix and how popular it is on Netflix. voyager
1: specifically yeah, and that's Voyager's what woke a lot of people up um, I can't say it really factored in you and my decision to do this podcast just because next gen had been podcasted so much. It was overplay. And as we've mentioned before, we wanted something we could kind of joke about, but like there are where we started off with like maybe one of three Voyager podcasts there are a lot of podcasts for Voyager out there now. And it's because so many people, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot. Voyager has aged incredibly well. And a lot of the concepts and forward ideas that they established, um have borne great fruit in, in 2020, 2021, etc. I'm gonna be very sad to be moving off of Netflix because of the skip intro. And when I think about having to fucking watch Enterprise, which I know has a song so bad I'd rather cut my own ass off somehow.
0: I uh, I I feel you on that. I will say that uh you know you can owe the existence of all of the CBS Trek that exists now to Netflix having Trek available and it being as popular as it was on that platform. Obviously that may not have worked out the way you and I want. However, I still think it's worth noting that it, the Trek wasn't reinvigorated, not because of the movies, but because of its success as reruns on Netflix Millions upon millions upon millions of people globally rewatched and rewatched and rewatched the show, and eventually
1: CBS caught wise and thought maybe
0: we should make some more. Maybe I think... we
1: should find that ass clown Kurtzman and give him a lot of money so nobody will watch his <laughs> shit. To the point where it's so bad that Netflix doesn't want to fucking foot their end of the bill on Discovery, and now we're in a real fucking pickle. Um, what my my thoughts to leave you with is that. I, I can't say, t- although I will say it is cool because the only thing I've really watched on uh, Amazon Prime has been Expanse because that's, you know, original. I made the mistake of of watching Man in the High Castle, which may have set the award for some s- most steep decline in quality in the shortest amount of time. I felt that coming on, and that's why I didn't watch the second season. But the first season was was pretty cool. Anyways, X-Ray is pretty fucking cool. And for the amount of times I'm like, ah, God, who is that guy under this fucking goofy makeup like that might be pretty nice to have to pull out IMDB and like dig through that shit. But uh, my, my, my parting thought is that Plex does have a skip intro feature, so I don't know, maybe it will not be Amazon <laughs> that gets my eyeballs after all.
0: Well thank you to everyone for listening to another episode of Vija Please Hateful Voyage with the Delta Quadrant. You can always find us on Twitter at VijaPlease. You can find us at Gmail at VijaPlease at gmail.com if you want to send us a message. If you want to send us a mailbag question. Uh, we also love to hang out in our Facebook group, the Please Trauma Support Group. It's closed. Only because we want to respect your privacy and not allow Grab Odyssey or Star Trek posting. So feel free to apply and you will be approved and we'd love to have you as part of our fan community. And if, as we said at the top, if you're a Discord person, well, good news. We started our own VG Police Discord. You know, join, join up with us on any of our social media platforms. I'll happily shoot you an invite. And uh, we plan on doing periodic Star Trek movie nights here. Nothing super regular, but... Uh, When we've got the free time, we'll fire one off. And we'd love to have you participate, if silently. Also, uh, you know, participate actively, whatever your preference is. And we'll see you next week.